Shalom Aleichem, we're taking a look at the Sikhev Chelik Tess, the bottom Sikhev Gimel. So, I want to give an introduction to the Sikhev. It is important for understanding the way we're supposed to learn Arashi and the way that, and especially the way the Rebbe teaches us to learn Arashi. That is that almost every word in Rashi is based on classic oral Torah, classic oral Torah is medrash, uh, including different types of medrash, free others, the Talmud, the Mishnah, the Zohar, classic oral Torah, which was committed to writing, you know, close to 2000 years ago. And then it is, uh, it appears in the commentary Rashi and others, which is, you know, round numbers a thousand years ago. Rashi, Nachmanides, Maimonides, Eben Ezra, uh, Sephurnu, etc. And one asks, why do we need Rashi commentary if we have the classic oral Torah? Or the other commentaries? Why do we need commentaries a thousand years ago to come and tell us the meaning of the Torah when we have it in classic oral Torah, which is handed down orally from Moses. Remember, these commentaries, they can't make things up. They're just giving over the words of the oral Torah as handed down from Moses and committed to writing in the Medrash, Talmud, Zohar, etc. So, so what's their function? And one of the ways to understand their function is this. The Medrash, the Talmud, the Zohar, this is the basic body of knowledge oral Torah knowledge handed down from Moses to Joshua all the way to when it was committed to writing in these classic works. Got it. The commentaries, however, Rashi and the others, they are teaching it to us in a different area of study. It's almost like Lahavdal, if, if, if somebody, you know, all the law professors learn, learn the, the body of law. Let's assume they learn the same book of law. But then, is different. I'm going to a class. I want to learn civil law. I want to learn criminal law. I want to learn, you know, marital law, what have you. And I'm sure there's no real comparison because Teda is an organic truth. But just giving away an example, they may have all had the same information, but then they're teaching different classes. Similarly, the all the Mefarshim, all the commentaries, no doubt, knew the body of oral law, Torah. But then they have a stated goal of why they wrote that particular commentary. So Rashi says, can you want to come to my class? I'm teaching Pshat class, Rashi class. Obviously, Rashi knew all of it. But Rashi is teaching the one who wants to understand it on the literal level, including the five-year-old child, but anybody who wants to learn Torah on the level of understanding the literal text. Eben Ezra, perhaps, is teaching it on the level of one who wants to learn it based mostly on diktuk, on grammar. Perhaps Nachmanides is a little bit more of a Kabbalistic spiritual bent, maybe sometimes in Nachmanides, certainly in the commentaries like Arachayim HaKadosh. Uh, the Kleyokar is mixing Medrash and, and, and connecting it to the text. Each one, and I'm, I'm no expert on this, but each commentary clearly has a stated goal as they state in their introduction of their work. They're not all doing the same thing. They're all explaining the student who was walking into their classroom. So if you're coming into Rashi, 
you're in pshat class, you're in literal Torah class. Obviously, all of them will employ much of the classic writings of the oral Torah in their writing, because these are commentaries. They can't tell you what they think. They want to know what Torah, what Moses thinks. So how do you know what Moses thinks? Oral Torah. If it says in the Zohar or the Medrash or the Talmud, that's, that's the words of, of Moses, essentially. However, they are presenting it to the student in the realm of their particular stated goal, in the case of Rashi, Pshat. Why is that introduction useful? Because the Rebbe then tells us that therefore many verses in Torah, Rashi doesn't quote the Medrash at all because he doesn't feel a need that it's on the Pshat level. Not that Rashi doesn't agree with the Medrash, the Medrash is Torah. But Rashi on the Pshat level says on the literal level that text doesn't need any interpretation. And when Rashi does choose to quote a Medrash or any of the others, it's because he, he, he is telling you this is needed for Pshat class. So to further that point, when Rashi takes a medrash and seems to copy and paste it, but deviates from it and makes minor or major changes from the source from which he's quoting, obviously what he's telling you, if you take Rashi serious as the Rebbe does, not only do I need medrash to explain this, but I need medrash in my own way though. The midrashic issue is not an issue on the shot level. There's a pshat level issue, and I'm going to borrow from the medrash to explain it. And that's what happens in this sicha in a brilliant way. Rashi seems to be addressing the same issue that bothers the medrash. In my class, I'm not going to make a difference between the medrash and the sifri, which is another form of medrash. I'm going to just include them in one. In general, I speak in general terms in the class. I don't get down to every last detail. So Rashi here quotes the medrash, and one who studies without too much attention, as I did all these years of learning this chitas, this Rashi, it's quoted from the Medrash, and Rashi's doing the same thing as the Medrash, addressing the issue that the Medrash addresses. Comes along the Rabbi and the Sikha and says, are you kidding me? He's quoting the Medrash, and he's misquoting the Medrash. In pivotal ways, his issue on the Pshat level, in Pshat class, the Medrash's issue is not an issue. In Pshat class, there's a different issue at play. And that's why Rashi quotes the Medrash in the way that he does. So let's see how that happens. The Rashi is based on the verse. Let's open this text. The Rashi is based on the verse at the beginning of this parsha. Apologies for the delay. Hang on. Um, The verse says that Moshe says to the Jewish people in verse 11, may the Lord your God of your forefathers add to you a thousandfold as many as you are and bless you as he spoke concerning you. Nominally, Moshe is blessing the Jewish people to be a thousandfold. They should be a thousand times as what they already are. In addition, he says, Hashem should bless you as he spoke concerning you. Says Rashi, what is the purpose of repeating further in the verse that he will bless you as he spoke to you? Meaning, Moshe says, I'm blessing you a thousandfold, and plus Hashem should bless you. Like, why the repetition? So he says, they said to Moses, they said to him, meaning to say, Rashi is saying, aha, 
there was a conversation between the Jews and Moses. After Moshe said to them, I'm blessing you, you should be a thousandfold. The people said to Moses, wait a minute, Hashem gave us an infinite blessing, why are you limiting? There was a conversation, let's read it. They, the Israelites, said to him, Moses, you're limiting our blessing, i.e. our number is being multiplied only a thousandfold. The Holy One, blessed be he already promised to Abraham, so that if a man will be able to count the dust of the earth, so will your seed be counted. Hashem gave us a limitless blessing. Moses replied to them, this blessing of a thousandfold is mine, but yes, he will bless you as he spoke concerning you. This is the Rashi. Moshe says to the Jewish people, I'm giving you a thousand times, you should be a thousand times your bracha, which means a thousand times as many Jews in, in every way, I guess. Tremendous blessings. The Jews said, wait a minute, you're giving it a number. Hashem said, no number. So stop. You're not helpful. Moshe says, take it easy. That was his bracha. This is my bracha. But he'll give you that bracha. You'll have that too. I'm giving you a thousandfold, but Hashem said no end. He'll give you that too. And nominally, this is based on a medrash. In the medrash, it says that the minute Moshe promised them a thousandfold blessing, the people protested and said, Why are you giving us a limited blessing? Hashem gave us an infinite blessing. And Moshe said, This is my blessing. Hashem will, in fact, give you the limitless blessing. So it seems to be the same, the exact same thing. However, there's a huge difference. In the Medrash, the Medrash right away jumps into the conversation that the people objected. The minute Moshe said, I'm giving you a thousand, said the Medrash, the people said, what are you giving me a thousand? Hashem gave infinite. So Moshe said, yeah, 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 you're right. I don't, I, I'm, this is mine. Hashem will give you infinite. Rashi doesn't say that. Rashi adds a few words. Rashi says, but what is the repetition in the verse? It seems from Rashi, but that's what's bothering Rashi. The Medrash is bothered by the fact that Moshe is giving them a limited blessing when Hashem gave them an infinite blessing. And that's why Moshe continues. Rashi adds an introduction, which is not in his source. As I gave you before in my introduction, that in Pshat class, by changing from the source, he's saying, I'm here for a different reason. This first line in Rashi, what is the purpose of repeating further in the verse and he will bless you? That is not in the Medrash. The Medrash is not bothered by the repetition. The Medrash is bothered by the actual content of the verse. Why does Rashi have to change that? If Rashi is quoting Medrash, namely, Moshe, you're giving a limited blessing. That's a problem when Hashem already gave us a limitless blessing. So Rashi should have gone straight to that. If he's quoting Medrash, he's quoting it and he's deviating completely by that little introduction. Now what's bothering Rashi? Not the fact that Moshe said one thing and Hashem said another, but the fact that Moshe said one thing and then said another, that he himself repeated himself. And because the verse repeats itself, Rashi needs to employ this Medrash to help explain it. Says the Rebbe, why does he give that introduction? That's the problem with this verse, the repetition. The problem with the verse is not the repetition. The problem with the verse is what he actually said. As per the Medrash, that he's giving a finite blessing versus infinite. So this is the Rebbe's first big question on this Rosh. Why when we come to Pshat class, when he employs the Medrash, he doesn't employ it as it is, 
but he makes this fundamental change. Again, I'm recapping. I know I'm repeating myself, but I want to be clear about this because it's really important that when the Madras, the source of this Rash, reads this verse, it says this verse bespeaks a conversation that happened between the Jewish people and Moshe in the interim. After Moshe offered them a thousandfold, they objected and said, Hashem gave infinite, and Moshe said, you're right, but this is mine, Hashem will give you his. That the Medrash says the problem and the implication in this Pasuk is limit versus limitlessness. Rashi doesn't do that. Rashi says the problem in this Pasuk is not that. That's not a problem. The problem in this Pasuk is the repetition. If you're giving me a blessing of a thousandfold, Hashem, he, he's giving them a blessing that Hashem should bless them. Why does he have to repeat himself? That's what bothers Rashi. Not the difference between finite and limitless blessing. Like why? Why does he deviate from his source? And why isn't he bothered by that contradiction between finite and infinite blessing? As the Medrash is bothered. That's the first question and the main question. Rebbe asked really five questions, but I'm summing it up into three. The second question that I'm going to focus on is also showing striking deviation from Rashi from his source. Rashi quotes the verse in Genesis, Bereshis chapter 13, verse 16. The same verse that Medrash quotes, except that Medrash quotes the first half of the verse. And Rashi, oops, he quotes the second half of the verse. The first half of the verse is, and Hashem promises Avram, your children will be as many as the dust of the earth. That's the first half of that same verse. And that's what the Medrash quotes. And Rashi drops that and instead replaces it with the second half of that same verse. What? Hashem told Abraham that just like the star, dust of the earth are not countable, your children won't be countable. Wait a minute. If you're Rashi and you're quoting the Medrash, and you're quoting it from the same verse in the book of Beratius. Wouldn't you quote the same part of that verse? You have to dafka, you know what it means dafka, specifically be a stubborn action. And the Medrash quotes the first half of the verse and you say, no, I'll quote the second half. So people who don't have a proper respect for Rashi, as the Rebbe does, they say, yeah, he quoted the second half, the Medrash is the first half. The Rebbe teaches us that Rashi is exacting. And the fact that he does not quote the same verse, he quotes the second half of the same verse and omits the first half, and the Medrash only quoted the first half. It is on purpose. Why? The Medrash only says the half of the verse that says you'll be like the dust of the earth. And Rashi quotes only the, only the second half of the verse, which says that you will be uncountable like the dust of the earth. Like, what a deviation. And this is the Rebbe. This is the Rebbe 101 teaching us how to learn Tata, how to learn Rashi, how to learn the commentaries. They're real. They mean what they say. And it's perfect. And it's exacting. It's not copy and paste. And then the third obvious question, the big question here, why does Moshe anyway have to give a blessing if he, Hashem already gave them an infinite blessing and he's giving them a finite blessing? What of what use is it if you already have an infinite blessing? What use is there in the finite blessing? Which is a general question in this Rashi. Let me bring up a little spreadsheet which shows all these three questions just for clarity. So here we have the top of the sicha, top of the screen. The Medrash says, why do we need your blessing if we have God's blessing? And 
Rashi does not ask that question. Rashi asks why the repeated blessing in the verse. It's a different question. The Medrash says that, that the verse implies a conflict between finite and infinite, and therefore implies a conversation between the Yidin and Moshe, whereas Rashi is just bothered by the repetition. Very technical. Like, why doesn't he leave it be and stick with the Medrash approach? Also, the Medrash employs the first half of the verse, your children will be like the dust of the earth. Rashi employs exactly the second half of the verse, that just as the dust of the earth is incountable, so shall be your children. So we have three questions. Again, in the actual sikha, it turns out five. I'm summing it up into three. Question one, why Rashi changes the question from the Medrash? Question two, why Rashi quotes a different part of the verse? And question three, what's the point of Moshe's blessing on top of Hashem's infinite blessing? You can't add to infinity. Or in the language of the Sikha, within four, there's already two. Within 200, there's already 100. Within two, there's already one. What are you adding? If you have the infinity of Hashem's blessing, why do you need Moshe's blessing? Now, just to be sure, the third question seems to be a question on Medrash too. That's just a question on Rashi. It's a question on, 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 on Medrash, on any, on any of this conversation. But the Rebbe says, the Medrash is explained by commentary in various ways. The Medrash has explained that uh, Hashem's blessing is conditional on our behavior, Moshe's is not. Or another way of putting it, Hashem's blessing is going to only actualize when Mashiach comes in future time, Moshe's blessing is immediate. And therefore, from the Medrash perspective, it's not a problem. Hashem gives you an infinite blessing. Thank you very much. But Hashem's timetable, you understand? It could last a very long time till you wait, till you earn it, till Mashiach comes. And Moshe says, in the meantime, you got you to gotta have something to eat. You know what I mean? You got to have a bracha now before you deserve it, or before it actualizes it, lost it, love it when Mashiach comes. And therefore, Moshe's blessing is very relevant. That's how the Medrash seems to deal with it, according to the many commentaries on the Medrash. In one of these two ways, either it's conditional versus not conditional, or if it's immediate versus the future. However, Rashi does not hint any one of these answers. He doesn't even touch it. Rashi, in fact, seems to imply that both of these blessings are happening simultaneously. Neither one is conditional. Moshe is giving his blessing of a thousand. Hashem is adding on top of it his blessing of infinity. And therefore, on the Pshat literal level, if you're in Pshat class, you wonder, so why is Moshe's blessing even here? What's the use of it if we have Hashem's infinite blessing? And Rashi uh, doesn't even allude to in response to that because there isn't any problem. If Rashi doesn't address a question, it's because the question isn't a question. If you study the verse of the Rashi carefully, on the literal level of Pshat, there is no question. And we don't even need to come out to those two suggested questions, uh, answers of the commentary. Whereas in the Medrash, the Medrash seems to clearly accept those interpretations that uh, the difference between Moshe's blessing and Hashem's is, as said before, that Moshe's blessing is immediate and unconditional versus Hashem, which is not immediate and conditional because the Medrash tells us the story. The Medrash has a whole analogy in that section. If there was a king who wanted to uh, take care of his, own, of his prince, of the crown prince of the child, but he didn't want to give him all his wealth because the kid will squander it. So he put up an executor and he gave him access. He gave him everything in trust for the prince but he also gave him a small amount, which you can give him immediately. So that the prince gets, so the executor gives the prince right away, whatever he needs right away, his needs in a beautiful way, but he doesn't give him the whole, the, the whole uh, 
inheritance because he's going to squander it away. He says, I'm giving you Zimu Shali. This is what I can give you, what Papa, what the king allowed me to give you now for your needs along the way. This is not uncommon when people leave trust for their children. They don't give them access to the full trust until they're way into adulthood, well into adulthood, so the child already has to earn their own keep and, and mature. However, they do give them access to small amounts of money so that they can get to that point. And that is how the Medrash explains in detail. By this analogy of the king and the executor, there's Hashem and there's Moshe. And Moshe's blessing is the executor who has access to small amounts of money, whereas the trust itself will wait for later on. Mashiach, what have you, when the king comes, which is Hashem will come, which is Mashiach. So the Medrash clearly goes in that direction. Rashi doesn't talk about this story at all, doesn't quote the story at all. So therefore, there's no hint in Rashi that he's going along these lines of, of Moshe's blessing being immediate versus Hashem being later. And there seems to be a very, that needs to be a very logical, simple explanation, a straightforward explanation of why this third question isn't even a question of what's the point of Moshe's blessing. So the Rebbe presents it as follows. Rebbe says like this, what is the problem here? Hashem promised an infinite blessing and Moshe is cutting it down to size. That's not fair. That's what the Medrash says. Says the Rebbe, let's understand this. Um, Hashem's blessing isn't really an infinite blessing in real infinity. Because even when he tells you you're going to have the blessing like the sand dust of the earth, it's not really infinite. It's just not countable, but it's not really infinite. It's a huge amount. It's a tremendous amount. Tremendous. It's not really infinity. Let's take it easy. And also, the blessing that Moshe gave is also not so tiny. It's not shabby. He gave them a blessing that they're going to multiply a thousand fold. So the Rebbe says, let's do the math. If there's 600,000 men from 20 to 60, if you add on top of that children and elderly people, plus you had the, the women, hello, you have millions of people. The Rebbe picks a number of a minimum of two million. There's probably many, many more, probably a number of millions. But at a minimum, if there were 600,000 men between 60, between 20 and 60, you have a minimum of two million people. If you multiply that a thousand fold, you have two billion people. So the Rebbe, that's a lot of people. So if Hashem, if Moshe promises them two billion people, there's nothing to complain about. This is a nice number for one nation. Why would they complain? That's not enough. Plus, the Rebbe even goes through the trouble of explaining that they have to fit on planet Earth. Hello? So, and they're not the only nation. There's all the nations and there's animals and there's plants, etc. Even after Mashiach comes on Einhard, if we should be two billion people, Cain Yerbu, so should it be. There's still going to be other nations. And you got to fit on planet Earth. And even though the land of Israel where the Jews will be, uh, it's called the land of the, of the deer. So it stretches like the deer's hide. But it still has a limit how much it can stretch, and it's in, on planet Earth. So two billion, if you're speaking practically, it, it's not a bad blessing. You're not selling me short. So the way I understand it, what the Rebbe is saying is, on the Medrash level, if you're in Medrash class, the Medrash doesn't have to think practically. It's not shot. The Medrash says, wait a minute. Hashem said, dust of the Earth. And you're telling me a thousand? 
That don't make sense. It doesn't add up. Because on a medrash level, you're not thinking practically. Medrash is spiritual. Maybe it means the blessing on a metaphoric way. It doesn't matter. In medrash, we don't have to make sense with it in the shot world, the practical world. We're speaking in the concept. If one, if Hashem says that dust of the earth, which is trillions upon trillions upon trillions, untold trillions, and Moshe says a thousandfold, two billion, that's a contradiction. The Jews are up in arms. That's the medrash. But if you're speaking on pshat class, pshat class means let's speak bottom line practically in this physical world. In reality, that's what pshat means. Tell me what this really means in the literal. In the literal sense, if I tell you there's going to be 2 billion Jews, Yashakayach, thank you very much. Where do I sign up? There's nothing to complain about because in the real world, it's not really practicable that there should be more than that. And therefore, Hashem said dust of the earth, he didn't mean actual, first of all, it's not infinite, and he didn't mean actual dust of the earth. What does it say in the second half of that verse? Do I mean actual, like the dust of the earth? Is it possible to have so many Jews on this planet? That's impossible. Let's read the second half of the verse. What do I mean dust of the earth? That just like it's uncountable, no one counts it. Not that it's really uncountable, but no one counts it. It's not something that you really count because it's, it's, it's very tough to count it. The Jews will not be countable. That's that's not such a big problem for 2 billion. It's pretty uncountable. And therefore, on the Pshat level, this verse doesn't present a conflict. On the Medrash level, which is not bothered about practical application. Moshe says a thousandfold, Hashem says infinity. The Jews start to scream, and Hashem said, don't worry, this is mine, I'll give you that. He'll give you his. But when you're in Pshat class and you're trying to make sense of it practically, Moshe says that two billion people. Hashem says you'll be like the dust of the earth. You'll be. The Rashi has no problem. Rashi would not have commented because of that contradiction, because it's not a contradiction. A thousandfold is a heck of a lot. Plus, a thousand doesn't always mean only a thousand. It means a thousand. Like I tell you, I told you something a thousand times. Maybe I told you more than a thousand times. It means a lot. So a thousand is not even limited to a thousand. Dust of the earth doesn't really mean actual dust of the earth. And the two aren't so far apart. They both mean a huge amount. So on the Pshat level, that conflict would not cause Rashi to pause and ask a question and even make an entry. What did cause Rashi to pause and, and have a question and make an entry? The repetition aspect. That's a problem at Pshat level. Moshe says, I'm giving you a thousandfold blessing. That's nice. And then he adds, and Hashem will bless you from what he said. What's that addition? That's the problem I'm shocked. Not the conflict of numbers. It's not such a conflict. They're both huge. They're both alluding to, to somewhere beyond a normal amount. But the repetition is a problem on shot level. So Rashi has to employ Medrash. But even when he employs Medrash into his shot class, he doesn't employ that this is a conflict in a quantity. That Moshe said only this, and Hashem said much more. He employed something else. Moshe said a thousandfold, which I said before can mean even more than a thousand. A huge amount, billions. Hashem said like the dust of the earth, which means that they're not really something that it's beyond counting. Says the Rebbe that in Rashi's thinking, both numbers could be the same, except the Jews' complaint would be... Why are you putting a number? Hashem didn't put a number. 
Hashem spoke about it as an infinite blessing. Leave it alone. Leave it as such. Why are you numbering it? It might, it might be the way I taught it in my class here in Port Washington. It's like, you know, I'll sometimes be asked by people, how many children I have or grandchildren? And I'll give a number. My wife will say, why are you giving a number? It's not a blessing that's numbered. It's beyond. It's an, it, each child is, is an infinite blessing, even though there is a number. Obviously, there's reasons of Kinahara, but also spiritually, you're giving a number to the value of your child. There's no number. So that's how I'm understanding the way the Rebbe is reading this Rashi. In the Medrash, the Rebbe is understanding the Medrash. The Jews are complaining that Moshe's number and Hashem's number are way off. Because in the Medrash, is taking it literally. It doesn't have to make it practical. Moshe says a thousandfold. Hashem says like the dust of the earth. Hello, they're way off. You're cheating me. So in the Medrash, the Rebbe says in the Sicha, the complaint that the Jews have to Moshe is that you're selling a short. The quantity is way off. It's a quantity argument. But in Rashi, being in that in Rashi, we're trying to be, we have to be practical. Two billion actual physical Jews on the planet Earth is a very nice number. The Jews' complaint wasn't about a quantity. It was a qualitative complaint. First of all, Rashi wouldn't even bring it up if not for the repetition. But the repetition forces him to look into the Medrash. But when he borrows the Medrash, he borrows it a little bit differently than it is, or very differently. Whereas the Medrash, the issue is a qual quantitative this, a, 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 a gap between Moshe and Hashem, Baruchas. Rashi adapts it and says, no, there's a qualitative difference. Moshe said two billion, Hashem said countless. They both mean the same. They both mean huge. But why are you giving it a number when Hashem didn't? That's what I put on my screen here, the second half of the screen. The Hashdiyidin's complaint that Moshe is, according to the Medrash, which is the left column, it's a quantitative complaint. You're actually lessening Hashem's bracha from dust to the earth a thousandfold. But on the shot level, that's not an issue. I said before, because two billion is plenty. So what's a Jewish complaint on the shot level? It's qualitative. You're expressing the same blessing that Hashem expressed, but you're expressing it in quantity. You're quantifying it where Hashem doesn't count them. Like I said, the analogy that my wife has told me, why are you putting a number on a blessing that is really beyond number? You're cutting it down to size. Don't. And that becomes the kind of the yidden to to Moshe. Moshe answers to the Yidden, Zumi Shali, this is my bracha. What he's saying, according to the way the Rebbe learning the Rashi, Moshe is saying to the Jews, I'm, this is my expression of Hashem's blessing. I'm giving you the same blessing as Hashem. Relax. Don't worry that I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the same blessing. Why am I giving it? Why am I quantifying it? Why am I giving it a number? Because I'm a human being living in the real world. And therefore, in order to say something in the real world, you have to say something. You have to number it. You have to say something in the world of, of tangibility, in the world of limitation. You can't start, start saying it's countless. Countless doesn't mean anything. From Hashem's perspective, he knows real infinity. So he says countless. But when me, Moshe, a human being, so to speak, uh, 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 talks and blesses you, I say 
a thousand fold. I say two billion. I give it a number because I'm in the world of number. I'm in the world of gavul, of limitation, of reality. And therefore, I'm really saying the same thing as Hashem, but I'm coming from the bottom-up perspective, and Hashem is coming from the top-down perspective. But I'm saying the same thing, so fear not. I'm not really cutting you down, and you'll have it. Hashem will give you that blessing, which is really a reflection of my blessing. I'm just wording it different. Because I'm coming from the perspective of the world of the creation. Part of the discussion I had with my class when I taught this sikha is like, why would Moshe have to do this? Because in the realm of limitation, you don't understand what it means, countless. I said to my people, imagine, you know, when Mashiach comes and the resurrection of the dead, and people come back from 100 years ago, and you try to explain to them there's something called the World Wide Web, what we used to call the information superhighway. They never heard of any highway. All they know is a dirt road with a horse and buggy. You start explaining to them that there's a highway and then there's many lanes and there's a superhighway. The worst, the most you can get is they'll imagine that there's 10 horses running at the same time, where really you're coming from an angle of something that's totally not tangible. It's information highway. It's something that doesn't exist really. There's no paved road or dirt road that's called information superhighway. The problem is that you're dealing in different realms. We're dealing in a realm that have technology of an intangible, and they're dealing in a realm of physicality. Similarly here, Hashem is giving you a bracha of countless. What does countless mean in our world? It means nothing. Comes along Moshe and says, let me tell you what it means from my perspective. It's a thousandfold. It's billions of years. But obviously I'm saying the same thing. I'm expressing it. But why am I expressing it that way? In order to make it tangible and real in our world. And this is expressed, take a look, this is expressed in Rashi's choice of the second half of the verse. He doesn't say, doesn't quote the first half of the verse, your children will be like the dust of the earth, which would emphasize that the problem, the complaint of the Jews was a quantitative complaint. Why are you cutting us down? Hashem promised us so much more. No. Rashi deviates. He quotes the second half of the verse. The issue is not you're giving us less in quantity. The issue is you're changing the conversation qualitatively. And you're, we, Hashem said, dust of the earth. But what does the end of that verse mean? It qualifies. Now, what does it mean? It means that it's not countable. Not that it's actual. There's not going to be as many Jews as the dust of the earth, actually. It means it's not countable. And that's why Rashi changes and quotes the second half of the verse. It's brilliant how the Rebbe sees the Rashi and how the, everything is precise in the Rashi. Therefore, it's different. Uh, the Rashi makes these two changes. And so we have an answer to all three questions. Number one, why does Rashi change from the question from the Medrash? Because the Medrash's question is not a question on the literal, in Pshat class, on the literal level. It's not a question that you're giving me much less. In Pshat class, there's a, a level, there's plenty of Jews to build. Why does Rashi quote a different part of the verse, as I just said? His problem isn't that you're not giving me like the dust of the earth. The problem is that you're counting them when they shouldn't be, and they're not really countable. And question three, what's more the point of Moshe's blessing on top of Hashem's infinite blessing? Again, in the Medrash level, we, we said that it's a difference between now or later, conditional, unconditional. On the Rashi level, the Rebbe says, What's the point of Moshe's blessing on top of Hashem's? It's not on top of Hashem's. He's expressing the same blessing. 
The Rebbe is reading in Tarashi, Zumi Shali, this is my way of expressing Hashem's infinite blessing, Hashem's countless blessing, but I'm putting it in words of count of a, a, a number of two billion, of a thousand fold, because from the perspective of a human being, you have to give it a number. I want to just elaborate a little more on this last point. This is what I put in the bottom, okay. We had a, a lot of conversations on the chats of the various Hasidim who are learning these sikhs and people struggle with this. Like what is really, according to Rashi, what is really the people's complaint? If the people aren't bothered on the pshat level by the number two billion, so what do they care if he says two billion or if he says countless? So the conversation was that I gave before the example that my wife doesn't like when I tell you people how many kids I have or grandkids. It's not what Jews do. You don't give a number to something which is really a countless blessing. When Hashem said that it's not countable, what he means is its value is infinite, even though it will manifest in a finite way. This is similar to what the Rebbe says later in the Sikha in a footnote, that a person touches, accesses Hashem's infinity in his, through his service of Hashem, what's called B'chol Ma'itcha. What is B'chol Ma'itcha? All your might. We say in the Shema, you should love Hashem with all your heart and all your soul and with all your might. What can be more than all your heart and soul? So it's explained limitlessly, without limitation. Since you're trying to access Hashem, Hashem is believable, infinite. How do you access infinite? By serving, by giving infinite. It's got to match. It's got to be measure for measure. And how do you give Hashem your infinity? All your might. You serve Hashem without any limitation. But Chassidus says, what do you mean without limitation? Nobody serves Hashem without limitation. Whatever you give, even if you go out of your limit, there's still a limit. The answer is when you go beyond your limit, the language is if you're used to studying something a hundred times and you study it a hundred and one, translate that to whatever it is. I'm, I'm used to a certain level of commitment of tato or of mitzvahs. And I push myself beyond my comfort zone as per famous chapter 15 in Tanya. I go the extra mile. It's not really infinite. I went instead of 10, I did 11. Instead of 100, I did 101. It's very finite. But in the realm of me, it's... For me, it's infinite. I broke my limitation. And that is a vehicle and a vessel and an antenna to access true infinity. So how does a person touch infinity in the realm of the finite? 101. Or the, the extra mile. Even though it's very infinite, but it's a reflection of true infinity in a realm of the finite. And this is perhaps what the complaint of the Jews were to Moshe. You are giving us a finite blessing when Hashem didn't give it a number. Even though Hashem's blessing was also finite on the Pshat, they knew it's finite. It has to be finite. You can't put infinity in this world. Even dust of the earth is finite. But Hashem didn't give it a number. He even said it's countless. You can't count it, which means Hashem said, of course, it's going to be a finitude, but it's going to be a reflection of infinity. And you, Moshe, you're expressing it to begin with with, 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 with a number. Don't give it a number. Chassidus gives numerous examples to this idea that in our realm of the finite, there are things that are an expression of the beyond. Another example is fire. Fire is a thing which is almost spiritual in the sense that it doesn't take a place. Every physical thing takes up space. Fire 
it, it's not limited to space. You can light a fire here and it could, God forbid, spread for good or for bad. So it's something that's physical in the sense that it's in a certain space, and yet it's not limited to that space. And Hasidus explains because fire is on the border of physical and spiritual, and therefore it has some of the properties of the spiritual that is not limited. It's an expression of spirituality in the realm of the physical, and therefore it will be physical. You could say, where's the fire? You can give me the address. Obviously, it's physical because it's spiritual. You can't say, where is it? And yet, in the realm of the physical, because of the fact that it's not limited to exactly where it is and its location can expand, it is an expression of the beyond. Another example, which is even more appropriate here in this conversation. The Talmud says that gold was only created for the Beis Hamikdash. It's precious. You could say the Talmud is saying it's like a priceless metal. It's an expression of Hashem, of infinity, and that's why it never tarnishes. And that's why it's one of the most expensive metals. It's not the most expensive metal. One could say, but gold is not infinite. It has a price. Of course. Everything in a physical world has to have a limitation. It has to have a price. There has to be a value put in it. Nothing in this world will actually be infinite because it's in the realm of the finite. However, it is a, a, a reflection and a reference to the infinite. And therefore, even though gold has a price, but it's going to be very valuable. And if one really understands, according to Teda, gold is really, in essence, priceless. And that's why it's suitable for the base Hamikdash, which is a place of infinity, which is also a mirror. It's a physical limited space. But it's a reflection of Hashem's infinity. That's why the Shekhinah is there in a place, in a limited space, but really a reflection of infinity. And therefore, uh, so the gold has a price, but really it's priceless. Similarly, the Jews are saying to Moshe, Hashem gave us a priceless blessing. Of course he gave it a number, because it's physical. But he didn't express it in a number. Why are you cutting it down to size? It's semantics almost. Because Moshe said a billion, two billion. Hashem also said, a limited amount, but he didn't number it. He left it plain. He left it countless. He said, I'm going to give them countless blessings. By Moshe, giving it a number, thousandfold, he seems to be taking away the, the energy of it. And Moshe says, no, 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 I'm saying the same thing. Just like I'm giving the price for the gold, what I really mean, it's priceless. Why am I giving it a price? Because you're in the realm of the limit, of the finite. And it has to be expressed in finite terms. Otherwise, you will not access it. And the example that Rabbi gives in the Sikha for this point is the fact that the Ten Commandments, Aseras Adibros, Hashem said them in one breath and Moshe then repeated them in ten. But it's the same thing. He didn't give a different Ten Commandments. So why did he repeat it? And the answer is because when Hashem speaks in one, he says ten Dibros, ten statements in one, but the human ear can't hear it. So you need Moshe to come and translate it into ten. So what's the value of Hashem giving it all in one? Because that's the expression of its truth. It's really beyond limitation. So you need Hashem and you need Moshe, you need both. You need Hashem to give the raw infinity, all 10 folded up in one, and then you need Moshe to come along and say, thank you. Let me tell you what he just said. I'm giving you one and two, one at a time, because otherwise the human ear cannot hear it. Perhaps someone gave an example that when the Rebbe gave a bracha, the bracha was oddly die, was a loaded bracha but he gave it on a dollar bill. He didn't give you $10 or $10,000. He gave you one single dollar. It's finite because in the, you bring it, the devil wants the bracha to touch down physically. He doesn't want it to remain in the abstract. I can give you a bracha, like Choyni Amago made a circle and he said, I want bracha. So it rained on Hashem's terms. 
If something happens in Hashem's terms, it can destroy the world. He says, no, 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 give me a bracha. Don't give me too much bracha that the world can handle. I need finite bracha. And not finite like countless. I need countable. I need measured bracha because we're measured beings. Perhaps that's what the Rebbe is saying here, the same thing. And the Rebbe, the Rebbe would give a dollar bill. It's a, it's a finite thing, but it carries in it. It's a vehicle for, for countless amount of, of, of blessings. And therefore, the takeaway, the takeaway from the sikha in the end, a person can walk away from the sikha if you read it without thinking it through, you could think that the sikha is diminishing the value of the bracha of Meshach Rabbeinu, the value of the bracha of Atzadik, of Rebbe. It's limited. Hashem's bracha is infinite, countless. But if you think about it, it's the exact opposite. The sikha brings home that without the bracha of Moshe, the, the bracha of Hashem won't manifest in the reality of our world. The bracha of Hashem manifests countlessly. We don't want countless. We want to bring it down. We want to be able to count it. Don't give me countless. You know, there's a chapter in Tanya, chapter 26, where it suggests from Kabbalah, from the Zayar, that sometimes a person, God forbid, Hashem wants to give him a lot of blessing and it manifests with pain and suffering. It's like staring at the sun, it can blind you. Hashem is infinity. We don't want infinity. Just like Chani Amaga said, it's too much, stop. The rain is going to destroy the world. So the bracha that a tzaddik, that Moshe Rabbeinu gives and every Rebbe gives is not, it's critical. I'm taking the infinite bracha, but let me tell it to you from the perspective of a human being, the way we want it to manifest physically. It's a thousandfold. It's got a number. It's going to manifest in life and health and brachas and reveal blessing, not some infinite blessing which God forbid can, can create havoc when it touches down in our world. Reveal finite blessing. But you should know that he will give you his blessing, meaning within that blessing is the full infinity of Hashem. And of course, the Midrashically, where Mashiach comes, will have the actual infinity, not that we'll have an infinite amount of people, because that's an impossibility, apparently, but we'll have embedded in the blessings of the Jewish people, we'll have the revelation of Hashem, and Alukos is really qualitatively, certainly infinite. And we'll have that. So the Medrash is true too. But on the Rashi level, in the here and now, we don't have to wait for this. That Sadiq gives us the blessing, the infinite blessing from the perspective of a person so that it manifests in real life in a limited actual blessing that we can appreciate. I want to just close. I want to share also another takeaway that I gave in my share with my Balabatam here. And I said, just like here, we're, we're understanding that we have Moshe and Hashem, we have the expression of the infinite blessing in a finite form. And that's not diminishing the blessing, it's actually making it accessible. It's a plus. I said the same thing is with Teda Mitzvahs. This is touched upon in detail on the second Sikha this week, but it, 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 it's, it, it follows here too. Teda Mitzvahs are very finite in their expression. You have to light Shabbos Lecht at exactly a certain time and not later, God forbid. You have to make sure your milchiks and your fleshiks. And I'm talking to Jews, Long Island Jews, and often they ask these questions like, this is the infinity. This is how we're touching the divine, the transcendence. God's will is that the cook, the milchiks and the fleshiks. And is it how hot is it and how cold and the milk fell in, the milk didn't fall in. And how many straps on the tefillin and is the mezuzah exactly kosher? 
Like all these technical things. Shabbos is over, 442, 547. Come on, God is infinite. This is the biggest argument that every shliach gets from, from people who are honest with the shliach. What's the answer? This is clearly expressed in the next sikha. But I believe it's hinted here too. That, we, that of course, the, the, the Hashem's will is infinite. But if you want to access it in the world of the finite, you got to know when to do it. You got to have a time and, and, and space and a limitation because we're in the world of the finite. Hashem's lights don't have a, a limit, but in this world, each light is manifest in a day. The Lord called light day. Seven lights of Hashem is seven days. Person says, today is Shabbos? It's always, Hashem's light is always. That's nice in heaven, but on earth, it's got to manifest in a certain time. Similarly, the world of Hashem is infinite. However, it's manifest in a time and in a place and in a mitzvah, and there will be precision. And that precision, just like Moshe's blessing and the Rebbe's dollar, is key to touching down infinity into real life so that it, it affects your health and your family and your nachas and your shalom bias and your, and, and your bank account, etc. in real time. The same thing is the mitzvahs in their finitude are key, and they are, are a key to access infinite lights of Hashem, right here in our reality. I did not, I'm going to say full disclosure, I did not touch the whole end of the sicha, even though I did give a Hasidic spin in the end, but I'm doing it all within the realm of the pshat of the sicha. I did not touch the yena shalteda, the last, the wine of Torah, which is another separate, even addition to everything the aforementioned.